So to me, this fish looks like it could be a state record, but you didn't measure or or have it officially weighed, so you'll never know, right? No, and I I will never hold an official state record because I throw the fish back. Welcome back to Winnie and Bill Chat. Today we have a special guest with us, the creator of the stream Outdoor Andy. Our son, Andy Johnston, has agreed to sit in with us today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have our son, Andy Johnston, with us today. Um, I have to be honest with you, I don't 100% know everything that Andy does with his Outdoor Andy um, channel or Twitch or he'll explain to us what it's all about. But welcome back to Winnie and Bill Chat. The way this works is that we will post 10 photos to our Instagram account, which is Winnie, or I'm sorry, it is Quiet Shutter Photo. And you can either follow along and um, watch, look at the photos as we talk about them, or if you're um, just listening, you can check them out later. We'll describe each picture as we go along so you won't be missing out on what we're talking about. And uh, we're going to talk about the pictures, the backstory, or what went into that photo. And so here we go. Welcome, Andy. Hi. So, Andy, um, tell us a little bit about your outdoor Andy business. Uh, I wouldn't call it a business. Not yet. Um, So I stream on Twitch TV, twitch.tv. so my URL link would be www.twitch.tv forward slash outdoor Andy. Um, I used to stream on that as the account name of Slurpee, which was a play off of somebody else's gamer tag back in when I was going to school at Lake State. Um, and that was a nightmare to try to brand and the year before last, I had started doing fishing stuff live on on Twitch. So somebody in my community that had been around forever said, just kind of offhandedly, jokingly, just switch it to Outdoor Andy. So I did, because that makes a lot more sense. I think that really does describe you um, a lot more accurately. I never did quite understand what the Slurpee thing meant, but I know you did have some interesting graphics that went along with that. I think it may have been sort of an inside joke. I it was. I, I it's gamer tags are a weird weird thing. You just try to come up with something that stands out and is unique. But it's when you're trying to do something where you're trying to build a community and potentially a career later. Trying trying to think of how you would brand Slurpee and the kind of content that you make, and then. The other thing is like copyright infringement with 7-Eleven. I don't know how that would have all played out. So, Bill, do you remember when, when Andy was growing up and he did a lot of gaming? Yeah. Uh, started out with like a Nintendo 64. Was that your first gaming no, platform? No, the, the Game Boy. The little green Game Boy we had. The little green Game Boy. And do you remember, Bill, why we bought Andy a, a handheld game yeah, because just like every other little boy, they don't want to take any time to sit on the toilet when they need to. And That's it was a great right. distraction. <laughs> yeah, until you have something it's sitting in, in your hands, then you can focus on Zelda for an hour and forget you're on the toilet. 
Andy. Zelda is a moving experience, apparently. And Zelda is a moving experience. And so we bought Andy a handheld gaming apparatus so that he would take more time in the bathroom and it changed the direction of his life forever. <laughs> so Outdoor Andy more accurately describes um, what you do on Twitch. I think you used to do a lot more gaming on Twitch. I think you still do so, some gaming. Uh, on I still Twitch. try to. I don't want gaming or fishing to be my only content because it, it Twitch really is a platform at its core for gamers and gaming. Um, it's growing a lot more to be less of that, but um, I, I, I'm a human like everybody else, and I have many different interests, and I don't want to, that to be the only thing. But for right now, when I'm trying to grow, it is the thing that is getting the most growth. So, And mostly what we're going to talk about today is the fishing side of Outdoor Andy and what you do with that, which I find fascinating. And so I'm pulling up the very first picture that we have to talk about today. And it is a picture of Andy when he was, how old do you think Andy is in this picture, Bill? Oh, man. Three, four, maybe three. Yeah, he looks like he's about three years old. And I was so tempted to Photoshop a beard onto him. <laughs> <laughs> little three-year-old. because it's been like a little elf then. Yeah, he did look there's, like an There's elf. a YouTuber that I watched called Jacksepticeye, and his community got a hold of a picture of him when he was a, a young person. Yeah. And they put his beard on that picture, and it, he, it looked almost creepily normal. Like this child <laughs> should have existed who looked 50 years old and four years old at the same time. That's hilarious. Well, in this picture, Andy is on um, the back deck of our home. He is not even as tall as the railing of the deck. He's wearing a little pair of shorts and a little striped T-shirt. And his little toe head blonde. Beautiful little baby face. And he's holding an adult-sized fishing pole. I don't know what kind of a, a reel that is on that fishing pole. It's Zebco. Zebco 202, the most famous reel in the world. Well, that means nothing to me, but uh, here's this little three-year-old practicing casting off the deck and reeling the, the line back in. Do you? What do you think when you see this picture, Andy? You know, I, initially I was like, I don't remember doing that, but I, I can clearly remember now just having a weight or something that I would cast off of the deck and it would always be such a pain to reel back through the grass. And I clearly remember just how satisfying it was to throw something off the end of the deck and watch it fly through the air. If you look closely, you can see there really is line on this fishing, on this fishing pole. Yeah, on the he, top right he really corner. was. Um, I remember Bill trying to teach him how to how to cast off the deck. That would and it would be fun to see how far you could cast it. The, the weird thing is, is that if I were to go back and try to use that kind of a reel now, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, do we still own that, Bill? The, uh, we have something like it in the garage. I don't know if it's that one or not. The last time I saw that reel was in the basement of the house on Tribon Road. The last time I saw that face was, <laughs> oh my gosh! I think you even had a beard when you graduated from high school. So we haven't seen starting. that little that skin that part of skin on your face for a long. How many years has it been since you graduated high school? Well, I. 
I don't think I had a beard quite yet out of high school. It was maybe growing, but that was 2010. And yeah. I've, I've had this the beard on my face other than like trimming screw ups for at least eight years now. And that and that beautiful blonde hair. Now, Andy um, shaves his head. He, he likes to keep it just shorn right off. So this is the sweetest little picture. Yeah, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss that little boy. Look at how sweet you are and those long eyelashes. And uh, what I miss is not having to go to school or work or <laughs> literally that, anything. When you're little, you don't realize how good you have it until you don't have it that way anymore. And then you wish you could go back to being a three year old. All right. Our second picture. All right, Andy, you describe this picture. That looks like Halloween. It is. And I've got an old fly fishing box that looks like something grandpa would have used. Um, that's at the church. Yep. Yeah, we used to every... God, I was every... so white and pale. <laughs> you were, well, you just didn't have a beard on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I have a beard, because then I don't look like a vampire. Every year, the church would have a Halloween party for the kids. And I think that it, other than socially, it's good to get all the kids together and do something. But also, I think they felt it was a safe way for kids to celebrate Halloween in case the parents didn't want to take them out and do the traditional knocking on strangers doors thing. But Andy, even on Halloween, wanted to dress up like a fisherman. So he's wearing a, some kind of a floppy canvas fishing hat. He's got a wicker fishing, do you call him a creel, Bill? Yeah, that's a creel. A fishing creel um, slung over his shoulder. I just noticed the the rain boots. The yeah, he's wearing forest the green, green rubber yeah, boots. The green rubber boots. That's the Canadian boots. Yeah, what do they call them? They have they call have a slang they call those boots. Just everybody in Ontario just calls them the green boots. Green boots. Yeah. I think he's wearing a polar fleece vest, which is just a normal vest, but we've pinned a little um, piece of, what would you call that, sheep wool or something that you would put fly fishing yeah. lures on. And he's wearing a flannel, green and black flannel plaid shirt. This is all fly fishing stuff, which I didn't get into until like last year. But um, it, it's probably what we had around the house for yeah. you to... And, and you're eating candy, so you've got chocolate or something mm -hmm. melted all over your something hands, dripping out of your lips. gob of something in my mouth. <laughs> Looks probably, like I'm chewing tobacco. Reese's. <laughs> probably Reese's, not tobacco. <laughs> it looks like a, I'm some... Reese's on the church floor. Yeah, that's... Yeah, look at how sweet. Look at those big blue eyes and those little elf ears. Yeah, those ears haven't changed a bit. <laughs> Except one got lopped off a couple times. Yes, Andy had to have surgery when he was quite young on a, a cholesteatoma, which is a growth inside that was blocking his ear canal so he had to have the back of his ear sliced open and that removed pretty sensitive surgery and pretty traumatic for for him and for us when well, he was really you know it, i never felt like it was that like i i never felt stressed about it i never felt like it was a big deal Really? That's I'm good to know because it was a big deal to me. I, yeah, no, I I never like I I was just no something's wrong. I'm we're going through the motions. It's not. yeah. You had to have two surgeries actually because the rate of returning is pretty great. So they do one surgery 
and get most of it out or all of it out, hopefully. And then they do a second surgery just to uh, catch anything that might be trying to come back. So you had to have that done twice. And I can't. The second time was when they were experimenting with surgical glue. Yeah. And I had no clue about this. So when I came out of surgery the second time, they have this like styrofoam soup bowl. <laughs> yeah, it was a soup bowl. I think that they taped it's, the side of his head. Just both times they had this soup bowl filled with cotton balls to deal with whatever's happening there. And they, the first time they took it off, they're like, oh, the glue's doing well. I'm like, glue? <laughs> they glued you back together. I was in what, third grade? <laughs> you were in elementary school. And I was yeah. pissed off. You were. <laughs> I'm still pissed off about that. I got experimented on as a child. You know, honestly, gluing incisions together gives a better scar than when they stitch. It makes stitch. sense. But I know you were re- you were pretty uh, skeptical about the whole I, gluing. I, I think it was mostly because I had gone through it before and it was no big deal, but I had stitches. Yeah. And so not having stitches the second time, I was like, what are you guys doing wrong? <laughs> and then the soup bowl, the, it was a styrofoam, I think, like Bill said, I think it really was a soup bowl. And I think they fill it up with cotton balls so that you don't hear the ocean. <laughs> well, now I hear I have tinnitus forever. Do you I, have tinnitus? Yeah. So I, I, fig- I figured out that uh, the last time I went to um, the ear doctor, um, they showed me a graph of the difference in frequencies between each ear. Right. Um, and there's a certain range in the upper, like, 10 to 16 kilohertz range that my right ear doesn't hear. So that's the higher frequencies? Yeah. So the imbalance between the two ears is what causes the tinnitus. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They say that a lot of men get lose their higher frequency tones because they don't have to listen to their wife. (laughs) (laughs) What? Did somebody say something? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Our third picture is... um, God, that was senior year of high school. And look, you do. You've got a little five o'clock shadow going there. Yeah. So this is a picture of Andy. He he does have hair. So Would that have been 2011. I'm not. Sh- I'm not. It was sure. right, either right after high school or the end of high school. And in this picture, Andy is standing outside, and he's holding in two hands a I'd call it a big fish, and I believe it's a walleye. Yes. That's a decent walleye. It's not big. And you walleye are distinctive because of this huge, their eyes are huge. Is that the most distinguishing quality of a, a walleye? Um, there's other ones because you also have sauger um, and sog eye, which is a hybrid between sauger and walleye. Um, sauger on the dorsal fin, which on this fish is not up right now but the dorsal fin has probably because he's dead well yeah (laughs) that happens um the dorsal fin on a sauger will have um spots on it and on a walleye on the tail which you can't see in this photo but the back end of the tail will have a white tip on the bottom oh yeah the tail is just a little bit cut off in the picture yeah so those are some of the distinguishing features, um, but they both have that big walleye. Yeah, it's a big eye. You know, there's a couple other species that have a similar eye, like moon eye, uh, gold eye. Oh, we're going deep into um, fish now. They have that that similar eye characteristic, but they're they're like a big shad. So I'm zooming in um, on my computer and looking at the 
face of this walleye and they have teeth. Yep, they're predators. So one of the big reasons for the big eye is because they're most active at night and they they tend to be in deeper water. During the spring, um, well, really all the time, they'll move up during the night to eat in shallower water. But for the most time, excuse me, for the most part, they hang out in waters that are like 15 feet or deeper, at least around here they do. Uh, when When your dad and I were dating, I remember it was tradition in the Johnston household to go out fishing all night, the night of opening of walleye season. Right, Bill? Yep. Go out at midnight. So tell us a little bit about those adventures. You and your dad, your brother. Yeah, usually the three of us. Sometimes we'd drag along a couple of cousins that we should have left home, but we (laughs) took them home anyways. But we would go to uh, the little uh, marina that was like five miles from our house um into mullet lake and we would get in the boat and get to the mouth of the river where we used to fish in the sheboygan river uh, early in the spring and we would get in there and, and it would be cold right like oh, you'd have yeah, to wear was, snow a lot pants of times and... we would be going across the lake there were some years that the ice was actually across the lake and you couldn't get into the mouth of the river actually but a lot of times we would go and there'd be ice hitting the the boat as we were going across and of course we had a little 14 foot aluminum boat it's the boat um, that i still use yeah you andy actually owns that boat now but um we would i remember we never had good winter clothes either so i would have like two pairs of long johns and another pair of pants over top of that and my winter clothes and and uh excited to go fishing for the first two hours and then by two o'clock in the morning, you're freezing to death and wishing you were back home. But, but you guys would stay out till like seven o'clock in the morning. Oh, right? yeah. And it was good fishing as far as that goes. We used to catch a lot of really nice fish. And it was always just kind of a tradition to do. But um, And a lot of people did that, right? Like the river was crowded with people who were doing the same thing as you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember one year when I was visiting, we were dating. I was visiting. But it was opening night of walleye season. So y'all went fishing. And I remember when you came back in and your dad was so mad and it'd been a night where people were crossing each other's lines and snagging and losing lures. And he was not happy. And I remember thinking, why do they do this? They don't seem to be having fun. Was it always like that? Or was that just one particular? Yeah, not always. As you know, my dad's easily upset with something. So um, was it normally a fun time, though? Like, because I have a hard time picturing that. <laughs> for the most part cool so also in this picture this picture appeared recently in my memory photos on facebook and my uh, niece who's a little older than andy uh, her excited comment about the picture was not about the fish it was about the t-shirt that andy's wearing algebraic i don't what is algebraic i don't need she was so excited andy you're wearing an algebraic t-shirt what's so cool so that's from the show adventure time and it's just some weird catchphrase that the character finn the human has in that show and it's just such a weird random thing that nobody's gonna be excited about algebra except like my wife (laughs) Yes, your wife. Andy's wife's name is Sarah, and she is a very sharp young lady. She honestly should go for a doctorate. I know she would want to. 
and she would be able to do it. So, And she's one of those people who loves to study and learn and is doing it even when she doesn't have to. So algebraic is just this random catchphrase. Well, I don't I don't know how I missed out on that show. I remember a lot of those shows you watched when you were younger. It's but... a relatively new show. Oh. Like, I think that they might still be producing episodes of Adventure Time. Hmm. All right. Let's see what our next picture. Oh, I like this one. This is a picture of Andy in the, the winter. This year. This, this this winter. This past winter. Yep. So it's uh it's winter, and of course he's holding a fish. What kind of fish is this That's one? That's a walleye. So this one, his dorsal fin is sticking up and you can see the tail. Yes. So, so what are you we see on for? the bottom of the tail, there's a white tip I do right see at that. the corner. Yes. That's one of the identifying features of a walleye. The and sauger would not have that. And that was the only walleye I caught on that trip. Everything else was sauger. Is this, where is this picture taken? That is on Lake of the Woods. Oh, so this is in Minnesota. Minnesota. So Andy's best friend. Actually, probably the shoreline you're seeing yeah. is probably Canada. Okay. So Andy's best friend's name is Josh. and um, Joshua! Jo I always called him Joshua. And so that kind of has stuck around. Um, Josh and Andy went to church together as little kids. They went to um, uh, school together and they have remained best friends. You know, we, we weren't really friends until like this, the kind of um, sophomore year, but definitely junior and I, senior year of high you school. you guys went to summer camp together. Too. Yeah. So we, I mean, it's not like we weren't friends, but we never really hung out until later into high school. Joshua was Andy's best man in his wedding. Um, so anyways, Joshua has moved to Minnesota in the last four or five years. Uh, he's been out there a long time. And uh, like, not just, not just Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's way, he's way out there. He's on the South or the, I always say South Dakota, the North Dakota border. He, he's three hours from Winnipeg straight yeah, South. He's almost to Canada. And so Andy um, has tried to get out to go ice fishing with him each winter. And uh, do you think you prefer ice fishing to summertime fishing or is it all the same? Just I used to prefer ice fishing because it's easy to get out. Like you, all of the lakes that I can't, like, I can't, I would never be able to go out on Lake of the Woods with the boat I have. I can't go on, out on Mullet or Burt with the boat I have. They're just too big of lakes for that narrow, short So boat. ice fishing gives you the opportunity to get out in the lake without having to have a lot of money tied up in a boat. Yes, but as I've gotten older and have less energy. Um, <laughs> Come on, how old I, are you? I'm 28, but I still don't like. I could walk out two miles in high school on ice and not care. I walked out a mile on Burt Lake last year, and I felt like I was going to die. So Andy's referring to last year when he walked out on Burt Lake to go ice fishing. So um, Andy streams to Twitch. Correct me, Andy, if I'm using any of the wrong terms. Um, so. We called Andy one day and he said he was heading out to go ice fishing and then he was going to be streaming. And so I quickly set up a Twitch account so that I could tune in and see what this was all about. So Bill and I tuned into Twitch and the Outdoor Andy uh, channel. Probably the worst stream you could have turned into. <laughs> well, we were busy. We were running errands. So I was looking at it on my phone. 
So we were checking in and then going out and then checking back in. So when we first checked in, it was a gorgeous day, which is unusual in Michigan to have sunshine and blue skies in the winter. Usually it's just gray and gloomy all the time. Windy, snowy. This was a pretty day, very cold though. And um, so when we tuned in, he had his camera, which was your phone, yeah, on his sled that he's pulling out uh, to the lake with all of his gear in it. So his the camera angle is from the sled. He's got the sled. Do you have it wrapped around your waist so you can trudge out there with? Yeah, I need to come up with a, a harness system to make that easier so I can stand up straight and walk instead of trying to like lean forward and right, pull. Like and, an old man. Yeah. So this is what we see when we first tune in. We could see the back of Andy and he's trudging out onto the ice and he's walking and walking and walking and walking. And every now and then he would stop and turn around and look at the camera because people can, when you're on Twitch, people can type in questions or comments and then Andy can respond to them in real time, which so it's interactive and makes it interesting. So every now and then he would stop and have a look and respond and i think he saw that we were on there he said hi to the parents and then turned around started trudging further and further so we we left the app for a little while did some running around probably an hour later came back i was still Still trying to get out (laughs) still trudging out there i don't know how long you fished that day but well once you got out there the i was i had looked on google maps which is an invaluable resource for for fishing these days because you um, Google Maps is so detailed that you can see areas where oh there's a weed bed there or there's a shallower area here and where there's access to deep water and I had found a spot that I, I looked like it had some weeds and it looked like it was in shallow water but close enough to deep water so while I could come up feed on perch or something that would be up shallower and then go back into deep water if they didn't feel safe. So I decided, oh, this, I did the little distance thing, determined it was only a mile and a half or whatever out. And was like, okay, that's no problem. I can walk out there, no problem. And it Well, you could have if you were still in high school, but now you're an old man, so. Yeah. Oh, and there was, (laughs) it was late in the season, so there was a bunch of snow on the, the, the ice, and it was trying to, it was basically trail breaking for a mile by myself right and then when you got out there the ice you have a had a manual ice auger which normally isn't that big of a deal so an auger for those who don't know is a um, metal stick with a what would a spiraling uh, blade that you you turn around in the ice to drill a hole think of the thing that churns like ice cream or soft serve it's yeah, kind, kind of, of like doing a core sample too, yeah. if you were drilling. Or a like well a gear, a, a spiral gear. Right. But it's designed to drill a little hole that's probably about six foot diameter. Six, six, six foot. Six, six foot. Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> you lose your car in that. Be dangerous. Six inches. Six inches. Is that right? Yeah. That one is an eight inch auger. Oh. And uh, no, the manual one was a six inch. So, and the ice was like three feet deep, right? No, four. Uh, so we tuned in and watched him trudging out a couple of times and then we did more running around and we tune in again and now he's trying to drill his hole and uh, he is just complaining right Bill 
Yeah, it was exhausting. Yeah, and he was just complaining. I really want to buy an electric auger, but they're so expensive. And also, they're all sold out because all the sports uh, stores think that winter's over. But there's four foot ice here. Obviously, winter's not going to be over for a long time. And he was just complaining and complaining. It was where we normally get, what, two feet of ice, Dan? Yeah. Usually, typically it, about two feet is the most. It's, I mean, it's a pain in the butt to get through that with a manual auger. But once you do it, it's it's whatever. And you can easily decide, okay, this spot's not that great and move on and do another hole. I came back to that hole for a week and reopened it with my foot because I was not about to drill through four feet another of ice hole. again. It took me an hour and a half to drill that hole. And I got to fish for maybe 20 minutes. Right. That seemed like a lot of work for very little gratification. Our next picture in our series of Outdoor Andy is a picture of Andy um, in a stream of water. Um, and he's sitting down and next to, the, next to the stream right on the rocks on the side of the water, Andy has his laptop computer. He has a microphone on a stand with a cable. He's got a, his camera on a tripod. And that's actually the tripod is mounted right in the water. Um, and Andy is wearing chest waders and uh, outdoor gear. But he's intently looking at his computer, which is an Apple iMac. And uh, he's got his hand over his mouth as if he's very intent on what he's doing. So what are you doing, Andy, in this picture? It's a MacBook. MacBook Pro. Um, so I believe at that point, uh, that was like my last year at um, Northern before I decided this wasn't worth it. Northern Michigan University in Marquette, Michigan. Um, it's, it's beautiful up there. Um, I think that was... The last semester I was there, I was in a like a uh, like a film 101 or so. It was something I don't remember what the course name was, but it was basically to make movies. I think that at this point in time, you had switched your major to photography. Yes, that this would have been the second semester that I had been taking photography courses and. I had the microphone there, which actually is this microphone. Everything in that um, picture, except for the MacBook, um, I still use on stream. And actually, the, the actually hiding underneath a little uh, log here, I see another little the device. audio interface. I smashed that with a hammer the other day. Oh, um, well, do you have a temper? <laughs> is that what that's all? About? So that that device is from high school. Okay. Um, you probably remember Terrence, I, Terrence I remember Inglesby. Yep, Terrence. Um, I used to be in a band or several bands with him, really. And he was over to our house several times and made music with me. And we tried to record things with that and this microphone back in high school. Well, that device is so old that the drivers are no longer supported and it starts to blue screen my computer. So that's of no use anymore. So it you, got obliterated. So you thought it'd be fun to smash it. Yeah, it was frustrating because uh, I don't have an audio device at this point because of that. 
But everything else in that picture, the tripod, not so much the camera, but the microphone, I still use all that stuff for stuff today. And the computer, actually, you passed on to your father, and he still uses it it's to this day. still working somehow. I know, and you bought that for yourself when you were sophomore. 2009. Yeah. I still drop it off the chair all the time, and it works He's, fine. He does not treat it kindly. It doesn't deserve to be treated kindly. <laughs> well, yes, it does. It owes us nothing. It was. It's been a good computer. So. Um, the reason I included this picture is were you, you were probably, I think you were um, participating in Twitch at this point in your life. Yes. You were streaming and whatnot. So um, what I found fascinating in this picture was that Andy, this illustrates how Andy loves the outdoors that he's an outdoor guy, but he has found a way to uh, combine his two passions, which is technology and the outdoors really audio too i i love messing with audio and i don't want to say audio engineering because there's i i know enough about audio to know that i don't even begin to know audio but so, you know a lot more than a lot of people yes um so i it's it that's another hobby basically this photo puts everything together that i'm interested in into one photo so Bill and I were lucky enough to be um, with you this particular day that this picture was taken. Um, you had an assignment. And I don't remember what the assignment was. I but think this was two assignments. Oh, two assignments. I think that I had to, um, for the video class, I had to um, sync your own recorded audio to a video you recorded. So that's kind of the first thing that I'm doing here but I think at the same time that day we took self-portraits um because I remember that same creek had a little bend in it that I was trying to take pictures of myself fishing in when I was scouring through my pictures there was a whole series of pictures that we took of you this day and I think I have copies of some of the ones you took yourself uh, for your self-portrait assignment um, but this one jumped out at me because of exactly what you said. It combined all the things into one picture and I found it just to that's, show who you that's are. That's one of the things that I love about Twitch too, is that you can combine all of the, those things um, at one time. Less so with the, the IRL, which means in real life, the real life kind of stuff that I have to do on my phone. There's a lot of complications where I can't necessarily use a nice microphone or extra fancy things to make a production, per se. But I still get to share a passion of the outdoors through technology to an audience. Right. So, Bill, do you remember this day? I, what was this location, Andy? Is there a name for where this is? There is. And I would... You've forgotten it. I have no clue. I know that if you went out past Hogsback... Yeah, there's a there's a little road on the left-hand side of that highway. This is outside of Marquette, Michigan. And it's a little creek. And I can't remember the name of the creek for the life of me, but I know trout run up there. Yeah, I don't remember the name of this creek either, but it was uh, out past Marquette. Well, not out past Marquette Mountain. It was out um, on your way up to um, it, it was It was past Sugarloaf and out past Hogsback. Right. So um, Bill went to college at Northern Michigan University, 
And then our daughter went to Northern and Andy did a tour of a lot of the colleges in Michigan. But I he was spent, not a college student. You were a college student at a lot of colleges, but you spent a couple of years at Northern. It's where your wife earned her master's degree. And um, but so Andy took us on this little hike with him that day and it was really beautiful. And you would never know that this little hike was there. You park. Was there a little parking lot off the side of the so road? So right off the side of the road, there was a little offshoot that you would walk into that um, little creek at. And I'm trying to find. And then there was a trail that went alongside this little river, little creek. And it there were areas where it was cut into limestone, would it be? And there was these tall limestone or rock walls. It was just like, you know, sometimes when you take a hike, it takes you into a place that you take a you walk for a couple of a couple of ten yards or something, and you're it's like you're in a whole different world, and it's it was just a really magical little place. I felt like then, and from driving by in the road, you would never have known that that was all back it. in there. Little Garlic Creek, Little Garlic, or Little Creek. Garlic River. Yeah, I think it's probably more of a river in the spring than it is later in the summer. But yeah, like Winnie said you go. In just a short little hike into the woods, and all of a sudden you're in a whole different world. There was in several different spots. We didn't go too far up the path along the river there, but it seemed like the um, the rock and stuff that was around there was just gorgeous. And every little bend in the river seemed to be a whole different look to it too. It was, you can follow that river forever too. It was quite a nice little hike. I would recommend it. You know what else I'm noticing in this picture is Andy is wearing the flannel. Uh, a flannel jacket that not flannel polar fleece liner to a a winter jacket is that, that that was the jacket that I had for dog mushing when you were when I was a kid when you were a kid you guys got me the biggest jacket you possibly could <laughs> so you didn't have to buy me another one year after That's year what parents do I mean it worked out I I think I think what happened though is that I wore that so much that it just stretched out well, but in this picture you can see that the arms are too short it's you have clearly outgrown this jacket but you're still wearing it and i love that about you you had a backpack that you i got, just got rid of and you had it from elementary school until i remember that in fifth grade and i sure i'm sure i had it before that so some things like staying up on the best technology is important to you and you will um, spend your money on that, but other things you make last for. A well, very even long with time. technology, I will be up to date for that period of time. But like my phone, I've got a Pixel Three XL right now, and the Pixel Four has been out for a little while, and I'm sure the Pixel Five is right around the corner. I, I'm not replacing this anytime soon. I just rebuilt a computer out of necessity and i'm lucky that i had friends that were able to raise money to help me do that uh last year and i don't plan on updating a computer again for the next five years so that is that would you call that crowd sharing crowdfunding, crowdfunding? Uh, i guess yeah and that's your twitch community yeah that's an interesting aspect of twitch that maybe we can talk about in a minute but um i've moved on to the next picture is this a walleye again? No, that is a smallmouth, which small is mouth. my main species of fish that I focus on anymore. 
I used to fish for nothing but walleye because that's anytime I got to go out fishing, we'd go walleye fishing because it's a delicious fish and you typically went out trying to catch fish to eat. And it's dumb simple, which I now that I know more about fishing, there's so many more nuances to walleye fishing that I was a novice walleye fisherman and we were lucky to catch anything the way we were doing it. But you just go out with a bottom bouncer, which is a little wire that's shaped like a v and there's a hunk of lead on one end the the i don't know the crook of the v the apex of it had a little place where you'd snap a swivel onto your line and then the top of the v you ran a crawler harness off of this is for walleye this is for walleye and this is what you used to do that's all i would do is is, a bottom bouncer with a crawler harness at 15 feet of water and that's it and that's you learned that from your father? I learned that from any walleye fisherman that's ever existed. Is that how you fish for walleye, Bill? Yeah. Or Rapala's, just imitation minnows. Yeah, and that's the other thing. I, I would use a Rapala tail dancer or a, a shad wrap. Very basic things. Just whatever everybody else was doing, I was doing it. And I was like, you know what? I'm sick of fishing for walleye all the time. I'd like to learn something else. And I figured, you know, we catch bass all the time when we're walleye fishing. They're they're a dumb fish. And they're super easy to, oh, to oh, catch. And I'm being very insulting to the bass. I learned <laughs> very quickly that that is not the case and that you have to learn a lot about how to actually catch them. And it's been kind of an, ad- an addicting thing because I, I wanted to each year learn how to catch a different fish. Like I think the next one I was going to move on to is catfish because in the summer, the river in town gets really big channel cats. And that your town is Sheboygan, Michigan. Yes. And the Sheboygan river. And I just haven't done it because smallmouth bass just fight so hard. And I've found decent ways to catch them. And I've gotten really good at catching big ones. So this picture, um, it's not a very big fish, I don't believe. No, that would be a small one. And it's a lar- it's a smallmouth bass or a largemouth? Small, smallmouth. Smallmouth. A so smallie. a smallmouth, if you look at the mouth on this, mm-hmm. you see the crook of the jaw, it doesn't extend past the eyeball. Oh, okay. So that's a smallmouth. A largemouth, it would go down past, like almost to where my finger, my index finger is. Okay. Uh, just a little bit above that. It would have a large mouth. Yes. So this picture was taken on Lake Charlevoix, which is where Bill and I live. You can see the swim buoy right under oh, my arm. Yeah. So Andy, this was at sunset. Andy uh, was fishing on the dock at the campground that Bill and I are campground managers at. Um, Andy enjoys um, spending the last hour of the day on the end of the dock when he comes over here fishing at the end of the dock for bass. Um, and he caught this smallie. Is that right to call him a smallie? Smallie, small jaw, brown bass. There's a million names for him. And uh, I think that there was a gathering of us over around a campfire and Andy yelled at me, hey, mom, yeah, do you have your camera? And so I came over to take a picture. So um, probably a lot of you know um a trick of photographers and fishermen is when you want to make a small fish look bigger, you sort of push the fish toward the camera and away from your body, and it accentuates the fish and makes it look a little bigger. 
if you get a really big fish, it doesn't matter. Like that walleye that you showed me or we looked at earlier with that with the algebraic shirt. Yes. I had that pretty tucked into my body. And yeah, you and could you still tell that it was it's kind of a myth that it makes the fish look bigger. It makes, it makes it more prominent it, in the picture. It, may, it brings the focus out more. Right. And you'll find a lot, at least on Instagram, where if you really hold a fish out, people will go into your comment feed and be like, oh, you're just making that. That's all Photoshop. Everybody knows everything about photography now. Yeah. So um, as a photographer, though, one thing you would notice in this picture is something called depth of field because the fish itself is what's in focus. And basically right after my thumb is not. Right. And so Andy himself is quite blurry. But one thing that you do notice in the picture of Andy is his beard, which is a beautiful auburn red. Bill, when you grow a beard, it's not this color, right? No, it's white with a little gray, bit of gray speckled in. Well, it never used to be white. It was dark. Black. Yeah. And when you grew a beard, you looked like a terrorist. Yeah, well, that's when just Andy a grew, secret When Andy has a beard, he looks like an Irishman. Which is a different kind of that's terrorist. It's weird because... <laughs> it's a different kind of terrorist. <laughs> we won't get into that right now. The, uh, the real uh, descendants of the Johnston clan were Scottish, Scottish though. Scottish, correct. Yeah, we got kicked out of Scotland, but we won't talk about that right no, now. No, let's not talk about that right Sheep now. Sheep thieves, right? And among other things. No. <laughs> so, anyways, Andy does have a beautiful color of beard, and honestly, that's when my dad grew um, a beard or a mustache. It was that color, so I think that's where it comes from. And Andy is also wearing a T-shirt that says "Alaskan Grown," which was a gift to him from his sister, who spent a couple of summers working in Alaska when she was in college. I, I need to get up to Alaska. I don't know. Like, I've heard a lot of things about how the fishing is starting to decline there. And I don't know if it's overfishing or if it's climate change or what Combin it is. It's a combination, combination of, of the two. Things, and yeah. So I also don't know. And I feel like I heard one story that was saying the sport fishing was declining, which doesn't really make sense to me because I've always thought of Alaska as being this exclusive, expensive fly-in kind of very few people got to actually do it. Whereas like sea fishing and definitely commercial fishing was a big problem. I think that even if it is in decline there, it's probably still way, way better than it is here. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be a lot better than here. But um, Andy, I think, hit the hit it on the nail as far as it's a sport fishing. And uh, a lot of it you have to hire a guide in order to do. And we looked into some prices of doing a photo uh, journey up there just a little while ago. And it's insanely expensive. Well, the place that we were interested in going is where the bears go fishing. And that's at Brooks Falls. I think that cost is going to be worth it, though. It's nice. a super expensive, but I, like that's an experience. That's almost like going to Disney. If yeah, Disney Disney's has, not as expensive. If Disney had wild bears that could eat you. Well, they have <laughs> alligators. So anyways, um, on to the next picture, which um, actually I'll, I'll let Andy explain where he is and what he's holding. So I had actually just finished streaming when I caught that. Oh, you're kidding me. So you couldn't show it off on your stream? No, I I had I believe I had caught a smallmouth on stream that day. Um, but that is right behind the Sheboygan paper mill. 
Um, there's a little bit of a deep hole there and then it comes up shallow. There's a lot of rocks, like boulder sized rocks in there. And there's a million different fish that come in there because there's a good flow of current from the, the locks, which you can see the DNR signs in the background. Um, that's the, the locks. And then the paper mill has a little, uh, I believe they have a power generator there. Yes. Um, and it spills out water, warms it up. So there's a bit of, there's a lot of different things that are attracting bait fish, which in turn attract sport fish. What kind of a fish is this? This is another walleye. Really? Yep. Oh, I do see a white tip on the tail. Yep. And the big eye. Oh, now, but his dorsal fin is completely down right this now. This is the, probably the prettiest walleye I've ever caught. Um, and probably the biggest, not by length, but by size, uh, like weight. Um, I th believe this was 26 inches and I've caught a 28 before, but this one was five pounds. Um, so I, I, what would be the state record for a walleye? 18 pounds, I oh, believe. Wow. Holy moly. Uh, massive. The guy caught it in the, um, I don't know if this is the current record, but the last record I remember, the guy was fly fishing in the Grand River down in Grand Rapids and hooked into a walleye. That was 18 pounds that was on a fly on, on a, a fly, fly rod. rod. Wow. Um, so I had just finished streaming and I had some issues with my my rod and reel at that point um, doing something weird. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to cast this as far down river as I can and just let all the line go out with the current and reel it back in under tension. So I didn't have any backlash oh, so problems. So your intention wasn't that you were trying to catch a fish. It no, was I was just to trying to re-thread your reel. Yeah, I was trying to fix issues I was having with my reel. And uh, I was probably 100 yards away from getting back in. And this thing just hit my bait like a freight train, which was a it was a bass bait. It, it was a what's called a Texas rig, um, which is you have a certain style of worm hook where you're, um, there's a little bend in the hook and where the bend is and where the point of the, I'm, I'm describing this with my hands and so nobody can see it, <laughs> um, but where the point of the um, hook is, the sharp end lines up with the eyelet of the, the, the overall hook. I don't know how to really describe this, but there, it makes a flat line. And you can put a bait on there in a certain way where the bait will cover the eyelet of the hook and lay flat so that the point of the hook is in the body of the bait and it's weedless. And I've been using a Texas rig in there because the baits like to get hung up on those big rocks. Okay. Um, so I had a, a bass bait that was imitating a crawfish, um, which I didn't think while I ate crawfish, um, but... This thing hit my bait so hard, I thought I had a snag, except immediately it started taking line out the other way. So I knew I had a big fish, and I didn't know if it was a pike or a muskie or a, one of those big channel cats I was talking about, because catfish do eat crawfish. That's a good bait for them. Mm -hmm. Um so I get this in close and I see that it's a walleye and I was like, Oh crap. Cause they have real sharp teeth. I didn't have any kind of wire leader or anything. Um, so you were afraid it was going to bite the line off. I was worried that it's teeth. I had relatively heavy line on, but I was worried it's teeth were going to rub on it and 
eventually wear it out to where it would snap. Um, I also was like, this is a nice fish and I don't have any way to really keep it. Um, so I had that in my net and then just so happened some kids came down as I caught this and I asked one of them to take a picture of me with it because it, I knew it was one of the biggest walleye I had ever caught. Oh, so you just had some random kid take your picture? Yeah. Nice. So did you keep this fish? I did keep that fish. Because normally you put you throw the fish back, right? Yeah. For the most part, I don't keep fish. Uh, I really, I, I don't want to say that I'm a sport fisherman because I'm not really going for trophies. Even if I wanted a fish mounted, I would get measurements and take lots of pictures and have a replica made rather than take the fish, kill it, get it mounted. And that's because you believe in keeping... So if you think of um, the whole fish population as a triangle, the very top end, say you've got 10 fish that are the biggest fish, your trophy size fish. There's 10 fish there. You take one of those out, you have 10% less fish in that top echelon of fish. If you take a fish out of the bottom that has 1,000, you still have 999 keeper eater fish. But once a fish gets up to that top part of the triangle and you take those away, you're doing a lot more damage than if you take one further down the the list so you're so the really big fish you always put back i will always put even if it's like a perch people tend to keep the 14 15 inch perch because there's a lot of meat on them yeah those are your breeder fish and they're the ones that have the dna to get to that level and you should put those back so that they spawn and make more well we raised a good son eh, bill yep let's see our next picture is a really big fish. That is the biggest smallmouth I've ever caught. And I don't know the exact weight on it, but I remember thinking when I pulled this up in the net, this feels like it's 10 pounds. So I know that I'm not going to have a correct estimate, and I estimated down to seven. It's probably more accurately a six, six and a half, now what? that I know a little more. But... It's a monster. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than seven because look at the, there's that hunchback on it that I've never seen on a fish before. I could barely put my hand around its tail. So this is a smallie. This is a smallmouth. I learned how to tell by where the mouth, the crook of the mouth is. It's in front of the eye, not all the way back to the eye. And the thing that you don't get to see in this photo that you could kind of see in the Twitch clip is that I held it vertically at one point and you could see the the just mass amount of girth on it. It was a fat fish. Is And I, I've looked at the, the state record, which was also caught locally out of the Indian River. 9.98 pounds. Or yeah, 9.98 pounds, which is almost a 10-pound fish. And if you put this picture side by side with the state record, they look almost the same. I want to say mine looks bigger. Because the state record is kind of a blob, like a football of a fish. This thing has a gut. Mm. So this was also taken in uh, Boyne City, um, where the Charlo Lake Charlevoix goes into the Boyne River. That's where Andy likes to fish for bass. In the spring. In the spring. And you were streaming when you caught this fish. Yes. This is a screenshot from the from stream. stream. How exciting was that? I... 
didn't really know how to react because it was obviously the biggest fish I had ever caught. I remember shaking and I remember going, Oh God, like <laughs> I, I have no clue how I caught that fish, especially on a, it was a little tiny tube jig. That's like two inches long. It tries to imitate a goby, which is what these guys are feeding on before they go out and spawn. So were there other people around? Fishing? Yes. And were they impressed? Did anybody see anything? Uh, people got really pissed off because nobody else was <laughs> catching anything that day. That year specifically, I made a lot of people leave because I was catching fish left and right and nobody else was catching anything. So, um, but do people pay attention that you're putting the fish back? Uh, they do. And I think that pisses them off more. Wow. So most people keep them. Uh, around here, yes. I, I don't know that I've ever eaten bass. Have you, Do you like bass to eat, Bill? Hmm, only in cold water. Uh, they so, tend to get soft. The meat uh, on the fish itself needs to get kind, kind of, of mealy. A mealy and kind of a mucky flavor in the summertime. In cold water, it's a really pretty good fish. So right now in the spring. It would be you, fine to eat right now. Yeah. But when the water temperatures get up to 70 degrees or so, it's just not a very good fish to eat. Are they really bony? No. They, no. no? They're oh. really soft. No. Oh, I would have thought they were bony. They don't have much of a skeleton to them, actually. Wow. So to me, this fish looks like it could be a state record. But you didn't measure or, or have it officially weighed, so you'll never know, right? No. And I, I will never hold an official state record because I throw the fish back. The well, only you have to way, keep a fish for it to be a record? In in Michigan, you have to keep and get it weighed on an official, like, dad weighed a few fish at Ken's when he worked there for, mm. for records. It has to be a state certified scale. So they will not accept any kind of cotton release. I could get a Master Angler Award. Okay. And I saw the other day somebody had gotten a Master Angler Award for a fish they had released that they had mentioned something special about it. it wasn't the biggest of that species but it would have beaten some line pound so with fish records you can get a, a state record which is the biggest weight possible yes but you can also get the biggest weight possible for the pound test line you're using oh, okay so there's a lot of people that will fish specifically only with like two pound or four pound test line because they think it's a, a bigger challenge I think it's personally kind of stupid because then you have to have your drag really light and you, the longer you have to play a fish, which you really have to play a fish on light line, the more tired it gets and the more likely you are to fatigue a fish to death. Oh, but there's a lot of people that will do that because that's, they're trying to go for line, line size records. So having a record is not important to you. Mm, I would like to, at some point apply for a master angler award. Mm hmm. Uh, like this fish is clearly big enough to have a master angler award, um, but I've I've never put in for it. I've never known the process, and I didn't know the process of how to take measurements correctly to get a replica of this fish, or I would have. Well, it's a beauty. And this was a screen capture from your stream, right? Yes. So it's not necessarily good enough picture to. No, it's the stream stream quality for live content is not very great because you're going over a cellular signal sure and bit rate compression a million different things it's not the greatest quality of image 
Um, I really should have kept that fishing in that and had you come bring a nice camera. Sure. So that was a, something I was thinking about. If you had to keep a fish in order to have it weighed on a official scale, how do you keep it from losing weight as you're waiting? Like you have to keep it in you water. Don't. Like they're going to even if you keep it in water, they're going to be stressed. Right, they're going to lose some weight just yep. from losing their yeah. And sometimes they'll start vomiting. Yeah. So it's it's not worth it to me. Yeah. I just handle the fish enough to get a good photo and put it back in the water as quickly as possible. All right, on to the next. I love this picture. So this is a picture was taken just last summer. Yes. And, off the dock, like the first one. And I think I took this picture with your cell phone. Nope. nope that was with the 5D. Okay. So it is with a, a nice camera. But this is, um, what I love about this picture is the colors. The, you, it looks like you could be in the Caribbean. The sky is so blue. This is again on Lake Charlevoix, correct? Yes. On the end of the dock at Park of the Pines. And this is a walleye? No. No? This is oh, a this is small a mouth. Right. Yes. Okay. Do you prefer the small mouth bass or the large mouth? Which is more we exciting? We don't have enough large mouth around here for me to really have a fair comparison. Okay. Uh, large mouth. Uh, I mean, we have large mouth. That's what we catch in Lake Susan. Mm -hmm. Um, but large mouth in the north don't get as big as they do in the south, and that's the the biggest game fish in the world as far as like tournaments go is a largemouth because they, they're known to get to 10, 15. I think the world records are 20 plus pounds. Wow. Um, so there's a, a lot of people that would prefer large, largemouth because that's what they're used to. I would probably say I prefer smallmouth because that's what we have up here. And from what I've heard, smallmouth fight more than largemouth uh. do. Not that largemouth, don't fight they obviously put up a really good fight they're they're a prized sport fish but so this is a good sized fish and he looks all sparkly in the in the sun and he's all you know he's wet so he's i just polished my forehead that day uh, yes now the water lake charlevoix has sort of a caribbean green color to it in the background and andy is um he's where what do you call the Scarf I don't really know what they're supposed to be called. I would call it a buff. Um, but it's it's a it's meant to protect you from the sun. And really, I should have the same material gloves. They have gloves oh. that I should have that also. So Andy's wearing this scarf buff thing, which is black and green print. I think it has the print of a walleye. No, everything's a walleye to you. Yeah, it's a, a trout. Walleye. Yeah, it's a brook trout, right? Yes. This guy, see the little circles? And, yep. and uh, so it's made out of like a stretchy t-shirty material. And you can wear it just around your neck, but you can pull it up over your face or over your head. They're handy little things to have. Andy's got it pulled up over his head because like I said earlier, Andy shaves his hair off. So he has a bald head. And in the sun like that, you want to protect yourself from getting sunburned. So he's got this buff with this fish print pulled up over his head and he's wearing sunglasses. And uh, so he looks like an alien. <laughs> he looks like some kind of a creature that just came up out of the water. He looks crazy, doesn't he, Bill? 
Yeah, but it is important to keep your head protected from the sun. Sun's cancer is nothing you want, that's right. for sure. I'm glad that he's um, that he is taking protective measures, but he does look crazy in this picture a little bit. Yeah. But it makes for a fascinating picture. Sunburn on your head just is worse than any yeah, other. Yeah, peeling skin good. on your scalp probably doesn't feel good. From That fish, I, I, I feel like I was about to be done fishing. And I remember seeing this fish off the end of the dock swimming through. And it I just was one of those natural reactions where I was like, oh, holy, flew out with my bait. And it just immediately, as soon as it landed in front of his face, grabbed onto it. And I, I fought that fish for probably five minutes before I got it into the net. And I left it in the net and immediately called you because I knew you were just up on the next terrace of the park. I right. said, I have a monster fish, which it's not one of the, the biggest smallmouth I've caught, but it's up there. I think that one was four and a half pounds, almost five. I love this picture. Just I, I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's the colors and you've got a nice little smile, a little grin on your face. And so the funny thing to me about all of this is I believe the first fish I've ever caught mm -hmm. at all ever was with grandpa. At Park of the Pines. At Park of the Pines on Lake Charlevoix. And it was about a four pound smallmouth. Which when I was that big or that small, the fish was about the size that I was. That's another way to make a fish look really big is have a little kid hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's bigger when you're small. Right. <laughs> so really it's kind of it's kind of full circle that I've decided that I prefer bass fishing over walleye fishing because that's where you started it's where it's kind of what got me hooked yeah no pun intended so a lot of people love to fish i've never really gotten into fishing myself but you like to fish right bill yeah it's relaxing so as long as you don't try and make it a business where it gets to be work right so what do you find relaxing about it oh just generally being able to be on a body of water and um a lot of times you can just not think about work or whatever. It's just a, a way to release some energy without um, too much stress. And um, usually you're fishing with someone, so it's enjoyable to be with somebody else's company. And So I know that Andy likes to come over here um, and use his little fishing boat that he uh, inherited from Grandpa. And you two go fishing over on Lake Susan, which is a little inland lake. And I did go with you one time. And I do have to say it was really a pleasurable evening. Really nice. But I want to talk a little bit before we're done about the fishing boat. Um, Grandpa had a... what? Um, my, it's a Sears boat. Sears and Roebuck boat. Um, in where I come from, they might call it a tinner. Yep. They and, would say that here too. So, because, why do they call it that? Well, it's just a little aluminum, silver, basically tin boat. It's like a tin can. And, and it's just a little fishing boat. And it, it feels like you're in a tin can in that boat. Yeah. And when Grandpa gave it to you, it came with a little Evinrude motor. Tell me about the motor. The So, I I went over and asked him just if I could borrow it. Because I wanted to get out and do some fishing. He's like, take it. I have no use for it. Um, and he had, honestly, Andy, you might not know this, but he had suggested to Dad and I that he give you the boat 
And we were a little reluctant. We didn't know how safe it was or what kind of condition it was or how you would handle it or, or whatever. But so it turned out anyways, you got it. Um, well, I, it's, those are all very valid concerns. <laughs> I still have those concerns about this boat. Right. Uh, but the, the motor, so the boat and the motor honestly had sat since the last time he said that they, uh, were used was 2007. And when I got it was 2015. Okay. Um, so, so the, the motor hadn't been started. Up the motor all. hadn't even seen water in at least seven years um which if anybody knows anything about motors if you don't use them then they just start deteriorating and it's a what i don't know much it about is a motors. 1965 evan rude uh fisherman and it's, it's a six and a half horsepower sure goes as whopping seven and a half miles an hour and you know you are very familiar bill with this boat and motor because you grew up with it right Oh, yeah, that's not the first tinner my dad had, and that's a bigger motor than we had, too. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, we went places where that boat, where no one should ever go with that boat. <laughs> no, he, he said that you've guys taken it on several trips up into Canada on big water, and I just, I couldn't imagine. Well, I think you took it down to Bay City into Lake Huron, right? Ugh. Yeah, we did once. Never we again. We actually were, my my dad, my brother. And I and one of my uncles were actually on a little inland lake near Indian River one time, which the boat's not big enough for four people to begin with. But we got into a, a rainstorm and the boat actually filled up with water before he got back to shore. My uncle actually jumped out and swam to shore because the boat was going to sink. That's how much water was in wow. it. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we've had a few adventures with I, that Sometimes one. in northern Michigan weather can change fast and what looks beautiful one minute can be a driving rainstorm the next minute. So you kind of always have to be thinking about an exit strategy, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to pay attention anywhere where you're in a boat with, you have to pay attention to weather. Even if you have a nice boat. I mean, yeah. it's, if you have a really nice boat that can handle big waves and has a big motor, that's great. But if you start to get a windstorm out of nowhere and all of a sudden you have five foot waves, you're not full throttling across that lake to get home. It's still equally as dangerous. Oh, that makes, I don't even want to think. We shouldn't talk about this too much anymore because I'll just worry and worry and worry. But um, so back to the motor. The motor really was not working or not working to top notch when you got it. Uh, it wouldn't start. It would start and then it would just immediately choke out. Um, and, and there was mud daubers in there like crazy. Uh, and there was, um, I mean, grease. And there. I mean, I still don't have that motor as clean as I would like to have it. But the big issue um, is that the carburetor was clogged. So... You have no background or experience in mechanics. None. You went to a lot of schools and you studied a lot of different majors in school, but you never took anything auto mechanics or, or small engine repair or anything like that. So you set out to fix this motor on your own and you figured out or taught yourself how to fix it by YouTube. Yeah, I love YouTube. Yeah, you can. I mean, I I know more about mechanical things now than I ever used to. I feel like if I had to fix something in my vehicle, 
if I had the right tools, I could probably do it. Not that I want to, but I feel like, and, and you know, I I probably still wouldn't actually do it, but I have enough knowledge now that I can go, this is happening. This is the part that would cause that. And then I can better tell my mechanic, hey, my tie rod end is dying. Fix it. So what you're saying is, and it kind of started with this boat motor, I think, that what it's done is it's given you a little bit of confidence in mechanical. Yes. Yeah. So you tore the engine apart and rebuilt it by watching YouTube. But another thing you did that I found fascinating was you streamed on Twitch the process. And you told me that you did that because you could archive it. And if you needed to, you if could go I, back. and If I screwed up. Right. Then I could go back and see where I screwed up. And really, in, in screwing up, I was worried about not putting the carburetor back together correctly. So I would at least have knowledge of how I took it apart right? to then reverse engineer how to put it back together. I ended up not needing to, but... No, but you did it, and you got the motor going, and the motor is still working to this day. It's still... I bet you if we went out there right now and pulled it once, it would go. That's amazing. I was very proud of you for that. All right. I think we're on our very last picture. And this picture, go ahead and describe it, Andy. It's on the dock at the park here. Uh, I look like I have some kind of weird peanut head because of the silhouette. Uh, you but you the, are silhouetted. The uh, sky is crazy that night. It was one of those sunsets where you can't see the sun setting because of the wall of clouds low in the atmosphere. But there's clouds high in the atmosphere that are still catching the sun. Um, it makes for a really pretty background. Um, and I, this is way before I really started getting deeper into fishing because I was using a slip bobber. Of course, you would notice the kind of what you were using on your fishing pole yeah. in this picture, but you've got a fishing pole in your hand and you're casting. Yes. And into that's the sunset. That's kind of how grandpa always would fish off the dock mm -hmm. is with a bobber and a worm. Yeah. And throw off the right-hand corner out further into the lake. And um, I've found now that using, uh, well, when I really first started doing it, I switched over to what's called a drop shot, which brings the bait down to the bottom further. But I was still just using worm and casting out to that same spot. The way Grandpa taught you when you were a kid. Yep. So we should explain probably that... Um, the job that Bill and I have at Park of the Pines as campground managers, years ago, Bill's parents, Bob and Betty, were campground managers here for a 10-year um, a period in their retirement years. And uh, so our kids, Lauren and Andy, grew up coming over to Park of the Pines, not only for camp when they were campers, um, but also to spend time with grandma and grandpa when there was nothing going on at the, on the grounds. So Andy got to spend an, a lot of time with grandpa and uh, out on the dock and fishing. And so, um, and grandpa and grandpa are still with us. Um, I don't know if grandpa does that much fishing anymore, but the legacy passes on from, from him to Bill and Andy, who likes to come over here and enjoy the lake. And by enjoying the lake for him, that means fishing. I would like to take a boat out on this lake because I know how good the fishing is here. Today would be a beautiful day. The lake is not, flat as glass. not taking that little tiny boat out <laughs> on this the, lake. The lake is very high this spring and 
And Lake Charlevoix is notorious for when we talk about weather changing quickly, it changes quickly out of here. nowhere, out of nowhere. So I asked dad earlier, Andy, what he liked about fishing. So we're getting to the end of our podcast today. Um, tell me what it is that you like about fishing. Oh, what isn't there to like? <laughs> uh, a lot of people find fishing boring because it's a lot of just sitting around doing nothing. And I, I guess I kind of enjoy sitting around and doing nothing. But if I was sitting around doing nothing on a couch, that's not interesting. Yeah, At least if you're fishing, you're out. There's water that's moving. That's a stimulant. There's noises. There's smells. Like, I like being outdoors and being able to relax. I remember watching a YouTube video somewhere that um, somebody had just gotten back from a week camping trip without any electronics or anything. And they were at the, towards the end of that, they were told that when you get back to civilization, you will notice that things move slower than what you are used to. And there's this phenomenon where if you give yourself enough time in nature that your brain physically slows down how you process things. So by that, that's not a negative. It means it's no. paying closer attention. To yeah, you okay. you analyze things more. You're not as quick to make snap judgments or stuff like that. Your your brain has it clears out. So you have more focus. Yes, because everything right now is. I mean, I, I'm looking at our timer right now on how long our recording is, and that's just right. So it, every little thing is a stimulus that you you want things to go um, and being outside kind of resets your brain back into a more natural state and I feel like that's I, I don't ever have enough time outside to really do that but I think if you do enough of that you, your brain really does feel better and I'm, I, I have some levels of anxiety and depression and I feel like most humans do and that's just a good way to get out and get yourself out of a a funk um i also enjoy being able to share it with people and i feel like it's the same thing whereas if somebody's at work or if they're stuck at home especially these days you can't get out and do something if you at least have something up on your screen that is still nature that still invokes that same kind of thing in your brain I love what you said about it resetting your brain. I think um, that we need to pay closer attention and spend more time in nature. For some people that might, you know, that they might have a postage stamp piece of the, you know, the, the grass at the park that they can do that in. We're lucky we live in Northern Michigan, so we have lots of places where you can go and really immerse yourself in nature. But I, I do feel that way. It resets your brain that what's important what's not important what you know paying attention to like andy was just saying the sights the sounds the smells i i do think that that's really important to our well-being as human beings do do you have any thoughts on that bill yeah i just i was just thinking about that whole process and you and i quite often will be um traveling south in Michigan on a weekend and all the traffic that's coming up north from the Detroit area or Grand Rapids, the bigger um, 
habitated places in Michigan. And we were always like, why is everybody coming up here? But that's why they're coming up here because in the cities, they just don't have that stimulus that it, it's abundant up here. Yeah. So it's uh, it's almost mental therapy for people to just get out of town for uh, even if it's for a day or so. They need a reset. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you, Andy, for sitting down with us and talking about um, fishing and streaming and um, Twitch and all things outdoor, Andy. Um, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it's really hot in this room, though. <laughs> it's time to get out of this room. Um, I would like to have you back another time because, like you said, there's lots of aspects to who you are. And I think that we can pick another topic sometime and have another conversation. Well, we have the, a setup in which we could also do one with uh, Lauren if she was ever here or if we went out there. It's not too hard to pack this up and take it out to Montana. That would be nice. Let's do a field trip. A field trip to Montana would be awesome. <laughs> also, I know that in June is your wedding anniversary. And I think that this year is six years married. Uh, Something like that. I won't put you on the spot. Yeah, it should be. And uh, you and... 2014, June 28th. Yeah. 26, June. 2014. So, and you and Sarah got married here at Park of the Pines. Yeah, and that so, spot's underwater now. Right. So I'd like to have, I'd like to invite you both back so we can talk about that in June. Yeah. So anyways, thank you all for listening today. Uh, we'd like to thank Anchor um, Anchor Podcasting Platform. It's a free podcast platform where anybody can make a podcast if they like to. If we can do it, I'm sure you can do it. Also want to thank Andy again, who has helped us get our audio set up to be uh, better quality. And uh, thank you again for being with us today, Andy. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great day. Thank you.